Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled to have on Dr. David Stoll today. Now, he, this, he's like a real doctor. He actually took time out of his busy schedule to, uh, to, to meet with us. He's wearing his lab coat and everything, the real deal. But we're not talking about medicine. Um, Dr. Stoll built a unbelievably important movement, and it's, it's really in the, in the grassroots stages at this point, that focuses on what we call in the Jewish world, Shalom Bayit, the concept of peace in the home. What that really means is successful marriages. And as much as you think this is like an odd, you know, an obvious thing that we should be supportive of, he had unbelievable challenges getting it off the ground. Uh, to, to make it very clear, this is not his full-time gig. This is not his gig at all. This is just a passion project. So how do you have a very, very busy individual take on a project like this and, and be able to have hundreds of people around America and, you know, based on how the internet works around the world, uh, benefit from the important work that's being done in terms of helping people live happier, better, more focused lives. And in this day and age, like nothing is more important. So with no further ado, I'm thrilled to have on the founder of MyShalomBayit.com, Dr. David Stoll. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast has been brought to you by me, Jacob Rupp and Jacob Rupp's Consulting. Uh, technically lift your legacy. Now, I have to be honest, I help clients often get out of their own way. And something that has really held me up was exactly the same thing that I was in my own way. For months, people have been saying, you know, talk about your coaching, talk about how you help people, share it, etc. And I had a really hard time putting it out there. Why? Because it's not that I don't think I do a great job. I've seen amazing results from my clients, you know, 10x, uh, more than that, businesses, fixed relationships, um, helped people lose a lot of weight, people go on the path of, of making goals and fulfilling their goals, all of these things. I know I do it. And I've been in the coaching space long enough to know that there's a lot of people that don't really deliver. And the ones that do really deliver are, are worth literally their, their weight in gold because so often we're held back by stuff. And it's just like, if only I could get over that, if only I could work through that. And I help people do that. But for me, my big holdup was sharing that I do this in a big way, in a public way, especially on the podcast, because it's awkward. I don't want people to think, oh, I'm just making the podcast to, to sell you stuff or to talk about stuff. So that, that's not what I'm doing. Um, my point is like this. My coaching business is expanding. I'm taking on a few more clients. If you are someone that is struggling in the area of self-esteem, goal setting, health, relationships, or your, or your business, really, um, reach out. I don't know if we're a good fit to work with each other. What I can guarantee you is that we'll get on the phone for half an hour. Uh, I'll hear the kind of challenges you're having. You'll get a good feel, if you don't know me yet, of the kind of work I do, kind of program I would recommend for you. And if it's a great fit, we'll move forward. And if not, not. But I wanted to appreciate 
very much from the bottom of my heart, the fact that you guys all listen. I appreciate the amazing guests that I have. And I'm really thrilled to have broken through in my own life to the point where I could actually devote a segment to really make a somewhat long-winded, but I think very important advertisement. So if you want to reach out to me, the email is rabbi, R-A-B-B-I, rup at gmail.com. And the website is liftyourlegacy.live and at lift underscore your underscore legacy on Instagram. I think it's pretty simple. You, you know where to find me because you found the podcast. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm thrilled to have on today, Dr. David Stoll. Now, I know that I didn't ask him to put on a white lab coat. This is legitimately, he's taking time out of his schedule, out of seeing patients to jump on uh, an interview here and, and share some of the important work that he's doing. So uh, for those of you that are not watching, uh, he is wearing his, his doctor lab coat. Um, and for those of you that are watching, this is like really, uh, really kind of a jumping into um, the, the world of Dr. David Stoll. So thank you very much for joining me today. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you for having me. My pleasure. So first of all, Mazel Tov, we had the pleasure of uh, attending the uh, beautiful wedding of your son and, uh, and the uh, Marquis uh, wedding. And it was really, it was really beautiful. Razy, Mark, now it's Razy Stoll. Um, so it's, it's great. Big, big Mazel Tov to you. Um, thank you. I, I wanted to ask you first and foremost, you're a, uh, you're a doctor, you're living in Los Angeles. Tell me a little bit about your backstory, how you went into medicine, how you have grown in the Jewish community in Los Angeles, and how you started to get into the idea that marital harmony, shalom bayit, shalom bias, depending on where you're from, is a big deal and something that's necessary to talk about. Okay, uh, good questions. I grew up here in Los Angeles. Um, I went to uh, medical school at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and did my residency there, so I have a little flavor of the, uh, of the South in me as well, and came back here a number of years ago. And uh, I grew up in LA, and I practice medicine, dermatology here in Los Angeles, and um, that's what I do for a living. And Baruch Hashem, I have a nice uh, family and nice wife, nice children, and um, uh, all through the years, um, this union of uh, Sholem bias has sort of been on my mind, and people speak to me as a doctor, as a colleague, as a friend, about things that are going on in their lives, and I see that over the years, uh, it is a rather important issue. So, as a member of the community, as a member of the medical community, as a member at large, I said that this is something of import, and we should perhaps explore, you know, expanding uh, people's awareness of this. So. Um, a couple years ago, I went to a local rove at a local large shul here, and I said, you know, you're a local communal rabbi, you get a lot of questions, I'm sure, on the topic of Sholem bias. Um, I was talking to him about, you know, maybe doing something about it. He said, you know, there's an interesting thought that you bring up, maybe um, somebody should get a speaker on this subject. So I said, okay. I went to another Rav and his congregation. He said, oh, yeah, I get a lot of calls on Sholem Bayes. He said, you know, maybe somebody should raise money for this effort. Okay. I went to the third Rav, the same discussion. Yes, yes, very important. Maybe somebody should rouse the troops and get people to attend. So I said, who's this somebody they keep talking about who's going to do all of this, get the speaker and raise the money and get the people? I said, oh, it must be me that they're talking about. So I said, okay. If that's my uh, achrayas, that's my achrayas, and that's what I'm going to go ahead and do. And that's what I went ahead and did. And, you know, look, there's lots of speeches on lots of different talks, and who knows what's popular or who's a popular speaker or topic or whatever the case may be. So one of the rabbonim 
sort of very lovingly put his arm around me and said, look, you know, Dr. Still, you're a very well-meaning man, but um, he said, you know what? There's lots of talks and things. 25 people will show up. Why don't you do it in somebody's living room or something like that? You know, it would be cozy. You don't want to do it in a big auditorium and have 25 people show up uh, for, and feel like they're, you know, just in, in, in Dodger Stadium and they're the only people there. So he said, just do it in someone's living room. So I said, no, no, I think I can probably get more people than that to, to show up for elections. No, 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 no. People don't show up. They're busy. They've heard it before. They're not interested. Other topics, they're learning. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it in the big shoe. I'm going to see what happens. And the first time I did it, I did it separately from women and men. And I think I do it that way because I think women and men sort of need to hear different messages. So I brought in a big speaker um, and from out of town and had her speak to the women and we had 200 women show up the first time and they probably would not have fit into somebody's living room unless they were on the outside lawn but um so we had 200 women the next day we had about 150 men show up to this and then i said well this is obviously a topic of great interest in the la community and probably elsewhere as well and um and uh so we started with that and then a couple months later i did another and another and another and now been doing it about a year and a half now Okay, so I want to, just before we go forward, I, I want to highlight or perhaps maybe you can give us some insight. You, you, you're, you're a doctor, you work, I'm sure, more than full-time, you have a, a big family, and yet you didn't feel that it was insane to sort of go down this road and to see this need and to actually, to actually do something about it. So I guess either, what did you tell yourself when you were going into this arena or what could you tell other people who feel like there's a huge problem but i i have a lot of other stuff i'm working on well i think everybody has something else that they're working on you have to be a role model and say look i'm busy you're busy we're all busy but we all got to do what we got to do and you know setting up you know for example a talk it takes hours and hours and hours and hours. You got to find the speaker. You got to vet the speaker. Make sure you're talking about the same thing. Make sure that you know their their uh, schedule is good. Make sure you can fund this. Make sure that the venue is right. Make sure you get the flyers done. Got to advertise it. People, it's not my generation, but with tweeting and WhatsApp and this and that, got to encourage people to get on board. So these things take hours and hours and hours to do. But you know if that's my, you know, spare time. That's how I, you know, find my fun in life. So that's that's what I do is spending a few hours uh, each uh, day uh, trying to get this stuff off the ground. You know, I'll tell you, it's um, it's somewhat infectious. This whole thing is that we we did a couple of these lectures and the local press. Um, picks up on it and the national press and they write an article. Oh, hundreds of people attend this lecture. And I get calls from out of town from people who say, I read about what you're doing. How can you start me helping me get something like that started in my city? Or uh, can you support this project that I'm doing? And, and so, you know, mitzvah gererus mitzvah. One, one thing leads to another and you encourage and you inspire other people to do the same thing as well. That's amazing. Okay, so it, it, it seems to me and, and perhaps this is a naive uh, uh, opinion that focusing on making a strong marriage should be pretty much the most important thing that we can focus on. Um, did you encounter 
pushback? Did you encounter um, challenges along the path, both in terms of not just about the, you know, the, the effort to just, you know, put on a successful event, but in terms of the concept of having an event or having an entire movement that focus on this within the Jewish community? Um, by and large, most um, congregational rabbis, of course, are supportive of the idea. The, um, in the word pushback, I'm, I'm not, whatever word we wish to term it, there is a, a mindset, so to speak, within the yeshivish world that um, Talmud Torah connected kulam, and therefore, for a man to take away from his learning, to go to a shir, perhaps, on Shulam Bias, is a, um, not a good use of his time. Um, well, if you look in the, uh, in, in our Mesorah, in, in, in the Torah itself, um, you see there's the Indian of Sota. The Indian of Sota is the adulterous woman, as it were, and she has to be proven right or wrong. So they take the Shem Hashem, mix it up in water, and make her drink this mixture, and magically it does what it does. Well, what you're doing is you're being mochek the Shem Hashem. You're erasing God's name, which is an Isra Doraisa. That's a biblical prohibition. But God says, well, you know, for the sake of Sholem Bayes, I will allow you to erase my name. So God will allow you to be over a lav Doraisa. God will allow you to be, um, uh, commit a sin in his name for the sake of Sholem Bayes. Now, you don't find that by, say, if you miss a shear or something like that, God will, you know, say you can erase my name for the sake of missing a shear, but you do find that for the sake of Sholem Bayes. So Sholem Bayes really has a very great importance in our religion based on Torah principles. So there is some pushback, so to speak, to use that word, among people who say, well, you know, I can't go to a shear on Sholem Bayes because I'll miss my learning or I'll miss my chavrusa or my, uh, this or that. And I've spoken to Rashi Yeshiva who have that mindset that, um, perhaps um, Sholem Bias is not, not that important. I uh, won't go into details, but I've had discussions of that nature. And you know what? You're not going to get everybody on the same page all the time. I think that you and I, and perhaps those viewing this uh, video, will agree that Sholem Bias is of primacy. And without Sholem Bias, uh, we really don't have much in our community. And, you know, it's a, it's a trickle-down effect. It's not just you and your, your wife are having a problem, then your kids might have a problem. They may be acting out in school or, you know, uh, having problems, uh, going off the derech, uh, you know, divorces, etc. And even just living within a troubled marriage is a terrible thing. And um, I think that we should be putting a little bit more emphasis on that. So I think one of the interesting points that you brought up is this concept of a great marriage versus a marriage in crisis. And I, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest this, but you feel probably pretty confident that not every person that comes out to the lectures are like on the verge of divorce. There's probably a fair amount of people that just kind of want to have a better marriage. Is that, is there a fair, is that a fair assessment? I, I, would, I would in fact say that that is the majority of people who show up at these or people just have everyday marriages. Look, every marriage, they say marriage in life is like an EKG. It has its ups and downs. If it's flatlined, then you're dead. So um, every marriage has its up and down. And, and that's most people, you know, on a one to 10 or a five. Some are sevens, some are threes. And some people, you know, 
you know, get a lot better, some get a little bit better. I gave the one of the introductory speeches at one of my lectures that uh, I'm a dermatologist, so people you know, come to see me for uh, different things. Most people come to see, they'll see me for dandruff or acne or, you know, a rash or a wart or something, you know, nothing life-threatening, but you know, it's bothersome, you know. And occasionally, rarely, somebody will see me about a skin cancer and I'll save their life. So it's the same thing with these lectures. Most people who come get a little bit better, you know. They get their little wart, their little dandruff thing a little bit fixed. Some people, though, will have their marriages go from zero to ten and be absolutely safe. But most people who go to these lectures are just everyday people who have the regular ups and downs. And if you can take your marriage from a five to a six, from a seven to an eight, from a three to a five, so that's great also. You don't have to go from a one to a ten in order to benefit from these. Do you find that most people feel like their marriages could be better or there's a general perception that you know this is kind of it is what it is and i and there's not much i can do to change it well i think that perception does exist you know that i'm stuck in this and uh, what can you do anyway what's the difference what are you going to do to make it better well try see maybe you can learn, learn something from this speaker or that speaker and we bring out different speakers not the same speaker and different speakers have different messages so some might be more animated some might be more halachic oriented some might be more sing-song uh, and you'll gravitate towards this person's message or that person's message i don't bring out the same type of speaker every time and you'll pick and choose who you get the message from and how you choose to apply that to your life when you are looking to vet one of these speakers, you, you had mentioned that there's a, a process that you go through in terms of making sure the two of you are, are sort of on the same page. Um, what What is the message that's on your page, so to speak? What do you want people to walk away from? Well, you know, I, I like speakers who can deliver the message, who are popular, who are really good in delivering the message. It doesn't have to necessarily be um, my particular message, and I discussed it before them with them. I'm just bringing out somebody right now. We've had extensive discussions for hours on, on this topic and different um, venues that I'm going to be bringing. That. I bring it in more than one venue. It's not just one um, uh, venue that I use. I usually do two, sometimes three venues where I bring the speaker out and each venue might need a different thing. If this venue is more religious and this venue is less religious and this venue is more Persians and this venue is more Ashkenazi, well, each one needs a little bit of a different message. So I try to get the speaker to speak to the crowd. That's number one. Number two, um, I tell them what I view are deficiencies, what I think I've heard them speak on. I think you give a great speech, but I think you can work on this or that or tweak this or add that or subtract this. And maybe you meant this, but you meant to say that. And so I go over, I don't just say, all right, you're signed up and speak and have a nice life. You know, I want it to fit the crowd and I want it to fit the message. And I try to help them do that. No, so, so, so that's, first of all, that's fantastic. And, and I think that you have to have, you know, I think that one thing that if, if you certainly have not said this explicitly, but I would hope that the viewers and the listeners would pick up, is the, the level of confidence that you have to have to, to go after and to really address the problems that, that you perceive in your life. Like you have a tremendous amount of confidence, you're gonna bring someone out and then tell them, by the way, I think that this is something that, that is gonna you know, better niche with the crowd, the message getting through. But, but what, what works for you? What do you want to hear? Not, not you specifically, but if a person would come, what are some of the problems that are facing the modern day Jewish marriage? And what are some of the ways to solve said problems? Well, one of the things is you have to realize 
you're, everyone thinks they're the only ones who have X, Y, or Z quote problem. You're not the only one with X, Y, or Z problem. It could be communication problem. It could be a financial problem. It could be hashkafa problem. It could be a problem with your kids. It could be a million different things that are happening. You're not the only one that this is happening to. Now, no one's going to stand up in the middle of the crowd and say, you know what? We have tremendous financial problems. I just want everyone to know, you know. It, you're not the only one. So when you go in a group and you realize, well, there's a lot of people here and 200 people show up, I, I guess, you know, everybody has something going on. And again, most of the people who come aren't people with horribly troubled marriages. They're on the brink of doing it. They're people with, you know, their everyday lumps and bumps and just you know trying to figure out a different way to bump things up to make it a little bit better so i think that um yeah you know people need to understand they're not the only ones who have whatever problems that they they may have or whatever challenges that they may face and and some challenges may not get better you know if someone has a, a kid with uh, an illness that is you know going to just continue you're not going to make it better but you can deal with it perhaps more appropriately if someone's in a certain financial or whatever situation you may not make a million dollars next year but you can learn to live with that a little bit better maybe it's based on getting real maybe it's based on more emuna maybe it's based on doing a little bit more this a little bit less that communicating with so you know you you can have the same person speaking and this person with the financial problem is going to get that message and the person with the kid problem is going to adapt it to their life and that you can have the same message, but people can adapt it to their own lives. So what is a person supposed to do if you are advocating, you know, someone comes to you and they say, you know, my, this is not a priority in, in my religious life. You know, there's so many, so many responsibilities as a religious Jew that, you know, between just, first of all, just like, you know, getting a job and working like a normal person, plus you have all of, you know, prayer, plus you have kids, plus you have all of this stuff. And on top of it, it's not like anyone's banging down your door screaming like this is the biggest you have to pay attention to. Also, there's like help. Like, so how do you help a person or how would you advise someone to cut through the noise and to try to figure out that I should raise my hand and say that this is a fundamental component, a, a perhaps the most important relationship in my life that I actually have to get straight before I can get everything else working? Well, I think you just said it, you know, that it is a top priority in your life. It is, it's part of life's priorities. Earning a living, that's a big priority. Being a from Jew and doing all that that involves, that's a top priority. But, you know, without Sholem Bayes, and it's not just me talking, all of our sages, uh, Chazal, tell us just how important Sholem Bayes is, going back to the Indian of the Saita. You know, Hashem says you can erase my name for the sake of Sholem Bayes. Well, that speaks volumes there. And so we don't have to, I think any thinking person realizes the Shulam bias is important. Anybody who doesn't have Shulam bias certainly does realize how incredibly important it is because you get married and, you know, mentioned, you know, my son last week, you were at the wedding, you know, violins and everything playing, then reality sets in, you know, so Shulam bias is of utmost importance and certain, you know, people might put more emphasis on it, certain might put less for whatever reason, um, but, you know, we all have to come to the conclusion that without Shulam Bayes, we're not a people, we don't have happiness, we don't have kids on the right derech, and um, we don't have personal happiness as, as well. So one of the things on top of that, which you said, which is, which is a really big challenge, I think, is that, is that the family unit, for better or for worse, has 
not been as influential as it was in the past. And so, you know, just, I mean, it's, if you just look at the trends, you know, we institutionalize a lot earlier. We, we send the kids out to, to schools and a lot of kids, I mean, I'm completely guilty of this. I'm, 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 you know, that, that you say, you think, well, hopefully the kids through their educational system will figure out, you know, the right ways to do things. And because there's this, forget about social media, but on top of it, social media, but just a general, like, you don't live in a small cohesive world anymore even if you're a from drew in los angeles you know you you just you you're on the internet you're seeing these big rabbis and big rabbits and they talk you know about very you know and you don't really see how they treat their spouse not god forbid saying they don't treat their spouse well but you don't see well maybe he's not going to start giving a class at the middle of this table when his wife says i think he'll just smile and say thank you dear you know so it's like it's very hard to see these kinds of examples so how is is the is the forum the is the best forum for getting this information like going to speeches? How would you advise you know let's say a young couple um, like 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 your son and his new wife? Where are they supposed to get their information from? Right. So that's a great question, and obviously it's better to practice preventative medicine rather than after the fact medicine. So preventative medicine starts with number one, a healthy household. You learn from examples of your parents. My parents have a healthy relationship. What is a healthy, normal relationship? Now, you know, if, if there's violence in the home to some person, that might be normal to him. He might think that's the way a normal relationship is. So to normalize a, a, a husband-wife relationship, seeing growing up with that, that's step number one. Number two, hadracha. Now, you know, let's be honest with each other. You know, a boy goes off to dormitory at, uh, in Israel, in, in Lakewood, whatever, and, you know, he's in a room with three guys smacking each other in the head. And that's probably not a real good way to learn how to treat your wife, you know. So you need hadracha on the, uh, on the level of chassan teachers and college teachers. And I've spoken to many, 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 many chassan teachers and college teachers about this Indian. And not every, unfortunately, every chassan teacher or college teacher is good and they might leave things out, and there have been PhD theses uh, written on this very subject about people's comfortableness with a chassan teacher or a college teacher, their comfortableness with themselves, about omitting things, about not talking about things, being embarrassed about talking about certain things, intimacy, for example, you know, these things need to be addressed in a real way and not just say, oh, well, you know, whatever, you know, no, it's not whatever, you know, it's, it's part of life, it's part of marriage, and we do have lecturers coming out speaking on that topic as well. Uh, Barabin, uh, which I've had some pushback on. That, as well. That's super controversial. Well, well, you know, it's it's if it's done in a batamta way, if it's done in, the, in a very sneezedic way by people, you know, sponsored by large organizations. And granted, you know, whatever I do, I'm going to get pushback on about um, you know from the smallest thing of do it on a Tuesday night, not a Wednesday night, or a Wednesday morning, Friday morning, the venue, where, how, what, I'm going to push back on that. The topic, the speaker, don't have that speech. She's not from enough. She's too from, not here, not there. So, you know, you can't please all the people all the time. You just got to do your best. But I think getting back to the main issue here is that you need proper chinuch in the home, see how your parents treat each other. You need proper premarital chinuch relative to a good chassan teacher and a good college teacher. I've spoken to people about getting generalized um, curriculum here, Israel, things of that nature, topics to discuss, things to discuss. It's hard to get everyone on the same page. Again, the same Indian happens. 
this is too from, we don't talk about, we should talk, we don't, we do, we don't, who's he to tell me what to talk about? My Rav says this, your Rav says that, I'm not, he's not going to tell me what to, oh yeah, you think you're smarter than me? So we get into to, to those things of, but all right, again, you can't please all the people all the time. And then after that, so you need good chinuch in the home, good premarital, and then you need follow-up. People need to follow up with their chassan teacher, college teachers, and you need a Rav who's, shall we say, hip to Sholem bias. If your Rav is all about sitting and learning and God bless him, you know, that's great, but he doesn't value Sholem bias, then find somebody who does value Sholem bias and have that person be your manhig and, and your leader and guide you in this and then continuing education, as it were, by going to lectures like these. All right. Well, I, I, there's 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 a ton more, but but if I could if I could sort of narrow down with what with one final question, where do you see this going? Meaning, you notice that there's a problem in Los Angeles, and then you find out. Yeah. By the way, there's it, it's it's not just Los Angeles; it's everywhere. So, as someone that's sort of on the forefront of this movement of you know marriage education for the Jewish community, for the from community, for the very from community, whatever you want to say, where is this going? And how, how do we take this important concept and make it so much more attainable for people that they feel like they have the support and the, and the, and the information that, that, that they're looking for? Well, um, I'll beg to differ gently with one thing you say, say about the problem. It's not a problem in LA or in any other community. It's just sort of an ongoing, as I said, continuing education. Of, of taking yourself to the next higher level. So I don't consider that a problem any more than, you know, going to work is a problem. You know, you go to work because you go to work and you make a living and, you know, it's not a problem that you have to go to work. It's a reality that you go to work. And the same thing as this. It's a reality of keeping things going and, and keeping things at a higher level. I hopefully, you know, as I said, I've had calls from other communities and people who said, hey, can you help me do this here? And I'm working with them and and there's different value mine isn't the only venue there are women who have say for example teleconferences where you can dial in or call in you don't have to attend anything and woman in new york does a great job um and, and she does something like that as well you know for women who can't leave the house or don't want to leave the house and dial into something so it can be a dial-in thing it can be something in your community something near shul and and it, you don't have to be me to do it. Anybody can do it. You know, like I said at the beginning, somebody can do it. That somebody is you. You don't have to be me. You need a couple dollars. You got to roll up your sleeves. You got to work. You have to accept that a few people are going to spit in your face and call you names. And that's, that's part of it. Let no good deed go unpunished. That that's part of the gig. But you know, at the end of the day, when you see that you've accomplished something, you can do it in any city, in any venue, start in your shul, start with a couple of people, do a shalashudas thing, do a Tuesday night thing, bring in a speaker, have your local rub, your local rebbitson. Think, you know, put it together, work with other groups. I'm not the only person on the planet who can do this. You can do it too. This is amazing. Dr. Stahl, I'll let you get back to your, uh, to your practice, but just tell us a little bit how people can find out about your specific organization and some of the exciting things that are happening in, in the community. So we have a website. It's called myshalombias.com, S-H-A-L-O-M-B-A-Y-I-S, myshalombias, with an S, dot com. And uh, they can contact me through there. And uh, happy to help. Great. Dr. Zoll, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. 
There you have it, folks, another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up. And also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.